listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Let's talk about Justin Fields' pro day and what it means for this draft. Yeah, it was a pro day number two for the Ohio State quarterback. There's been a lot of discussion about Justin Fields potentially falling down the draft boards, but there were several teams represented, including the New England Patriots and others, at Fields Pro Day at Ohio State. Yeah, so Fields had a second pro day, as Jonas said, and my understanding is it was an offer made by Fields telling the NFL teams, hey, We'll let you dictate the throws. We'll let you dictate the circumstances. Because the thing about pro days are, they're always, mm, it's home cooking. It's, it's set up in a way to benefit and make the players look good. We're seeing it to some degree with these 40 times. Right? Everyone's fast, about a, you know, a tenth of a second faster than they would be, at least speculation, in, at the Combine which they have uniformity there. So, Fields, obviously, not a sign of desperation, but a sign of concern at his stock seemingly dropping, said, hey, you come and I'll throw however you want me to. I, I, I think that's great confidence. When you look at this, Fez, and you look at Fields, and I've got to take away more about the reaction of people to the talk of who's going to go third, Mac Jones, is the talk and the way people are reacting to that. I think it's fascinating, but let's go around the horn. What was your takeaway from Fields' pro day? It was interesting to me that he was open to go ahead and showcase his talents again. I got to tell you, though, when I look at Justin Fields, just the way he ended his collegiate career, struggling against Northwestern, two of his last three games not being good, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about Justin Fields and how ready he is. Well, the I would say maybe the most impressive. Well, let me ask you this: Wouldn't you say that the Clemson game with Fields, the middle game, and the two, and by the way, how many points did Ohio State win by against Northwestern? It was fairly close. So, how many points? You want to look I'm it guess, up? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's interesting where these like pretty clear wins that you can hardly squint and say, this is how they would have lost that game. I'm I'm not even sure how you know where the where the bar is. I I don't know enough to judge quarterback. What was the score? Twenty two to ten. So just almost two touchdowns. What a, I mean, horrible performance. <laughs> Jonas, what's your takeaway? I, I'm still surprised that he's not getting more love for that performance against Clemson, where yeah. uh, where he took a beating in that game. Clearly, wasn't a hundred percent finished the game, probably even shouldn't have gone back into the game based on whether or not he was shot up at halftime or who knows what they did to try and get him ready for the second half. But he stood in the pocket, made huge throws down the field, and was completely dominant. And I would also say, on the biggest stage like that, he outperformed Trevor Lawrence. You got to see them side by side. And it feels like we've forgotten all about that, and people are just focusing on the Indiana game or Northwestern and what sort of question marks, and now he's got to have a second pro afterwards. It's it's just strange. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Uh, it feels like, well, a couple things. You bring up a great point about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is the guy, he's the new Sam Darnold, where no one wants to say a bad word, and everyone's rushing to talk about how he's the next great quarterback. 
You know, it really begs the question to what degree do you want certainty and to what degree is a lottery ticket attractive? So, Jonas, Feds and I talked about this about a week ago. We haven't. So, I'm going to hit you with an idea. If you could draft Matt Ryan at the age he came out of college right now, meaning, and, and God came down and said he's going to have the same talents that he had, meaning we don't know how he's going to do, we just know it's the same man, like effectively. And we know Matt Ryan is not a Hall of Famer, but he's not that far from a Hall of Famer. But a lot of people would say, you know, oh, you know, he had that one year with Shanahan, but otherwise he's not great. So maybe I'm being a little generous with the Hall of Famer, even close, but about as much as Edelman probably. Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or the reincarnated version two of Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan. Not even close. I, I think statistically, you're right. Yeah. And, and and the reality is that we can say half of these number one picks or top of the first round uh, picks bust or don't make it. But what do the other half do? Right? And again, if we look at your... Let me see your quarterback list. So, I mean, let's think about this now. We got Mahomes, who was the number 10 pick, as we've done. Rodgers picked in the 20s. Wilson, third round. Now, we're going in order. Watson was, what, number like 10 or 12? Or I guess 12, in that, I think. Josh Allen, trade up like at 7. So, let's give, let's give, I guess in a way, Mahomes and Watson are the questions. A number 10 or 12, what is that? that that's definition, the middle of the first round. It's not people trading up mm-hmm. to get him. Now, who's been traded up for? Recently, Wentz obviously, Goff obviously, Darnold. I mean, to some degree, a little bit. It feels like if you would say take the number seven through twelve quarterbacks, and then you know we'll take them, and you take one through six. We got the much better quarterbacks right yeah, now. Yeah, we don't want Trubisky, do we? Well, I don't. I want to be six through twelve. So my point is, is this really such a science? And I guess we know by half of the time people missing, these teams missing, that it's not. But it's also something where if you're willing to trade up, like look, look even at the 49ers, part of the conversation about the 49ers that everyone is so incredulous about, they, they're disbelieving, is the idea that, oh, there's no way they're trading up for Mac Jones. I'm a kind of amateur scout, and I don't think he's got enough arm. And it's like, in a way, I kind of hate that kind of talk because the idea that we know more than Kyle Shanahan is absurd. And I think there needs to be three groups of people that you have an opinion on what they do. Group number one is I disagree. So and so, you know, someone said uh, under on uh, Price is Right, and I think he's wrong. <laughs> I'm going over, right? Okay, you can have an honest disagreement. With those, you know, a non-expert like that. Then there's the people. It's like you know, if he says something, I'm going to pause and really think about it, but I'm willing to disagree. And then there's finally, oh, that he disagrees. Belichick disagrees about football. What did I miss? And it seems like in the media and in life, there's so few people that even have people in a group that says, oh, they disagree with me. What did I miss? 
And to me, in football, there might be, I don't know, 20 people in the world that can disagree with Kyle Shanahan, maybe, and maybe 50. But it isn't the guys on TV. It's not the guys on radio. And to some degree, the conversation should be, if it is Mac Jones, what am I missing, as opposed to how crazy it is that Mac Jones might get picked ahead of whomever. So as much as I'm an Ohio State grad, I'm a Justin Fields fan, uh, you know, or at least I'm rooting for, for his uh, career as an alum. I'm not sure. He, did he graduate? I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, it's important. Academics are important, Fez. We're straight out of Vegas. What do you think of that, Jonas? I mean, you, if anything, you are a lifer in sports talk. Or do you like you have a week your Sunday show with uh, with um, Brady Quinn? Quinn, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. was thinking there's a local guy named Brady Cannon. I'm like, what? Well, I'm not. That's not the guy. <laughs> but the um, you know, he's a guy that was drafted in the first round. You know, the funny thing is we met him at the, or I met him at the Super Bowl. He's like six three and a half, six four. He's, you know, he's a big dude. Even you, bigger. Yeah, you think of him and you think you know he was a little undersized. You know. <laughs> yes. And like, what has he taught you just working with him about like the way to look at the NFL? I mean, does he have a ton of respect for like the opinion of a Kyle Shanahan, or is he the type that's going to throw you know drop bombs on it? No, no, has a ton of respect for him. Uh, also says Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for that Kyle Shanahan offense, and and if it ends up being Mac Jones, and and he's saying all this while also saying that Justin Fields is his number two quarterback in the draft, um, but no, situa- not counting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, yeah, including Trevor Lawrence. Justin oh, he's Fields got number, Trevor number one, though. Yeah, Trevor number one, Justin oh, okay. Fields too. But he thinks that Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's system, and that's why it makes a lot of sense. And and I defend the 49ers from, from this standpoint. They've clearly identified that Mac Jones is the guy. If we believe all the reports and it ends up being Mac Jones, they've clearly identified him. So the fact that they gave up all that they gave up to go get Mac Jones – I'm with you. I don't look at it and go because I think it's dumb that that's the way I'm going to go with it. How the hell do I know more than Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch? I mean, those guys have forgotten more about football. I, I instead take the approach of... All right, so they must have identified something with this because otherwise you don't get that aggressive. And, and we only know until after the fact a couple years later whether or not the pick made sense. But I also defended the Bears when they moved up a spot to take Trubisky because they identified something I that be they shout- liked. I wouldn't be shouting that from the rooftops. <laughs> at, at, but at the time, now that we have our evidence, now we can go back and say, okay, that was a mistake. But until we get our evidence on Mac Jones, I don't think it's a mistake. And I think we should trust the football guys making the football decision and not us in our, our mock drafts. Plus, we don't even know who he's taking, who they're going to take, right? This could all yeah. be a big fugazi. We've got the odds. So, where does Fields go? DraftKings has the odds. 49ers are favored. Plus 175. Atlanta plus 300. Denver 5-1. to one, Patriots 5-1. to one. Note, yesterday the Patriots were 7-1. to one. So there's been some jibber jabber about the Patriots and Fields them trading up. I think. Oh, I guess Kuiper had it in his mock, so that probably is driving the line move. It was Patriots taking Fields seven to one to five to one now. So an improvement in those odds. Mackenzie, do we have the odds of who the 49ers are taking? Yes. All right, read that off real quick. Mac Jones is the favorite at minus two hundred. Okay. 
Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it for a second. And then Justin Fields at plus 200, then Trey Lance at plus 400. Okay, so what we're saying is $100 wins you 50 if it's Mac Jones, and 100 wins you 200 if it's Fields. So the market is saying, yes, Fields is the clear underdog, clear favorite Mac Jones, but it's not prohibitive. It's, you know, what, 66% or so? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you don't count the VIG. So, right in that range. So, I think that's right. Now, what I find fascinating to close on this subject is the idea of how the analytics guys, the guys at Pro Football Focus, the guys at the various other, you know, the ESPN analytic guys, they are almost indignant. They're offended that Mac Jones might go. They are so sure their analysis that they know more than Kyle Shanahan. They're saying it can't be, and they're all. A lot of these guys are batters. They're talking about making the biggest bet of the year on no, it's not Mac Jones, maybe Fields or whomever. However, they're going about it. They're saying no, this must be a smokescreen, and we can't even calculate how it would happen. Thus, we don't believe it. It's like a refusal. So it's going to be interesting, but again, one of our basic premises of betting is define what you're handicapping. In who's going to be the number three pick, you're not handicapping who's the best quarterback in your mind. You're handicapping who the 49ers are going to take. It's a really important point. Absolutely. And if you agree or not, forget if you're going to think Kyle's smarter than you, you're smarter than Kyle about football. But understand, it's his opinion that matters. Now the question is: Is what would be the reason for the leaks? What would be the a guy like Schefter who doesn't take kindly to be being fed crap? Because you can get crap out there a bunch of ways, right? Schefter, you don't burn a guy like that. It seems like. And how often does Schefter report things that are wrong? Right? Hardly ever, Jonas. Yeah, no, I can't think of many times where Schefter has been used as a pawn in some sort of a rumor game before the draft. I feel like he's graduated above that level. Maybe years ago that might have been the case, but I don't think so anymore. I agree. So if they gave it to Schefter and he's saying things like it's almost a certainty, boy, it feels like that there's an, a clear agenda there, and uh, meaning the agenda of the truth. And why else tell him? And if anything, Schefter's the type to sniff his stuff out. I haven't seen any backtracking, so I don't know for sure. But boy, oh boy, when it's a battle of who the analytics guys think is better, and that's Fields, and who Schefter's reporting on, that's Mac Jones. Maybe I'm just a humble guy, but... Um, I gotta go with Shafter sure. over my analysis of the tape. That's just me. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So, RJ, atop the Eastern Conference sit the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, both tied 20 games over 500, and they match up tonight coming up and actually tipping off in a little over a half hour from now. And right now on pregame.com, the 76ers are a nine-point favorite hosting those Nets. And that's moving up. It was six and a half. Now, Jonas, you read pretty diligently. We've yet to be able to discern did Durant have this as a planned day off and it was pre-scheduled? Or is this in response to some physical ailment that he's feeling tight or whatever, and thus they've decided to rest him? 
I'm not sure, but I haven't heard that there's any sort of issue physically with him. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. may just be they played last night. Um, you know, let's do, let's take it slow as we get to the postseason. Let's assume you're right, and let's caveat this saying it's an assumption. And if we're not, then we reevaluate. But if you're right, Jonas, this is egregiously bad planning by the Nets. Last night, they or yesterday afternoon, right? They played Minnesota. Now, I don't know about you, but I think they have a pretty good chance to beat Minnesota in pretty much any situation. No doubt. And they ended up winning big, 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 right? By 30. 30. Durant wasn't not necessary in that game. But you're going to play him in that game? In an afternoon game on a, on a Tuesday? And you're going to... The Wednesday night game in which... Now, let's set this up. You've got the number one team in the East. Oh, and by the way, the other number one team in the East, they're tied. Now, that sounds like it's a pretty close race between these teams. But let's consider the following. Their series between the Nets and the Sixers are tied 1-1. And that's the first tiebreaker. They tie. Okay. How many more games do they play? Oh, this is it. This is the last game of the regular season. There can't be a bigger... I would make the following case. Hot take time. (laughs) You can't have a bigger game in the regular season than this. Because not only do you have the one versus one that are tied 1-1, you've got high stakes who's going to win the conference or get the number one seed because of the disparity between three and four. Right when you have Milwaukee as your reward, if you win the first round as the number two seed, most likely Milwaukee, and then if your other reward is I don't know the Atlanta Hawks, I think that's a real reward if you're number one. I mean, think about the Hawks versus the Bucks. Fast. Yeah, and you were the first person I heard identify this, and what a huge disparity it would be. You might be a minus 200 favorite if you're hosting Milwaukee. You're hosting Atlanta. You could be like minus 450 to win that series. So, what we're saying here is Harden's out and hamstring, I can't judge that. Aldridge out with illness. Now, Griffin, there's this mysterious phrase that says injury management rest of his life. No, no, I just added that. <laughs> and then you got Durant out hamstring management. So they're getting specific with Durant, right? And literally this was all planned and by all accounts the coaching staff and the the youth with Nash and all that, it's done a good job. You know, he's obviously got veterans uh helping, but I mean by all accounts he's getting good grades as a coach. But this seems like either bad planning or they're trying to avoid the Sixers. The Brooklyn Nets seem to be scared of the Sixers and what could be considered one of the biggest regular season games we've had in years because of the stakes. Jonas, what do you think? Yeah, well, it's it's exactly why when people complain that oh, you know, some of the coverage of the NBA, uh, you know, the NBA doesn't get as much love as the NFL does. Well, if if you are showing us how little you care about the regular season, why should we care when we cover it? You know, like it just it just feels like they've teams have clearly identified it's all about the postseason and they're going to coast it and play it safe during the course of the regular season. I think that's played out and why the numbers have been so low and and some of the ratings have been down. Now, would you say if anything, it feels like 
the sports media in general is more sympathetic to the NBA. It's just dollars and cents dictates the NFL is king, and you can't get around it. But it feels like like a Bill Simmons type who literally, by reports, one of the things that was the big cause of consternation at ESPN with him years ago was how he went after the commissioner of the NFL. It doesn't feel like the NBA gets that kind of treatment from pretty much anyone. Would you agree with me on that? Specifically ESPN, because ESPN's got a vested interest. And ESPN's probably not happy about this. I do think it is fair to point out that the reason the game was being played yesterday is because the Timberwolves-Nets game was actually scheduled for Monday, Mm -hmm. but was pushed to Tuesday because of the fatal shooting there in Minneapolis. And so I wonder if... It was planned for Durant to play this game against the 76ers. But once, but once well. they move the game, yeah. they have a choice at that point. When to say now we got to choose, we can't play them in both. Yeah. You know, if you're a little league coach and you can only pitch them six innings or whatever it is, and you got two games coming up, you kind of know I'm gonna. It's either this game <laughs> or the next game, and you know I get it. The it might have thrown off the plans, but they still had the chance to make the decision to defer and keep Durant ready for this game, right? And I wonder how... I mean, is this Brooklyn also maybe not taking... Philly that seriously to where they well, look at them and go, listen, when we get to the postseason, if we're ready to go, this team can't play with us. Maybe there's a little bit of ego involved. But it seems like it goes totally against the fact that one of the things we've been raving about, about the Nets, is how hard they've played. Remember the game where Harden went into, was it Phoenix? Yeah, I think that's before we made our bet. Is he went in there and they were eight point underdogs? He was a one man gang and he ended up winning the game. Only right? game Phoenix lost during that ten game stretch for them. So I mean, they've been winning these games where it feels like they're they're kind of schedule losses and they're still winning. But now when the highest stakes are there, that it, and again, let's talk about the players on a per player basis. Harden can't do anything about it. It seems like a legit injury. Durant again, it's I don't understand the nuances of his rehab. So let's say it feels like they're being avoiding the fight. And then we got Kyrie. Now listen, we all can have our take on where's basketball and where's social justice and the other issues of the day that are at the forefront of the minds of a lot of NBA players. But it strikes me that if there was a sense of here's what I'm doing and here's why. And if we use the analogy of what Milwaukee did when they kind of led the way with Giannis postponing, or they didn't know forfeiting effectively, it seemed, at the time, the playoff game, it felt like there was a lot of um, sympathy for that cause, for that decision, because it was communicated well. With Kyrie, we just don't know, right? It's personal reasons. And I'm not saying he owes it to us. I don't know if he does or doesn't. I'm not even going to like plant a flag there. I don't think he does. I think he owes it maybe to his fans, but you know, the, the fans of the Nets maybe, but not necessarily the media or some outsiders that are observing him. But boy, I know. And Jonas, let me ask you because you're about as even keel as they get when it comes to you know political questions. Is if Kyrie were articulating 
what he's doing and why that took him away from basketball, are you more sympathetic? Yeah, I, I would be, except we've seen Kyrie go back and forth on certain things before, whether it's the flat earth or whatever else he wants to say. Like there was the, he had earlier this year, I think yeah, I think it was this year, he missed time uh, for personal reasons. And then there was video of him at a birthday party at a club or or, or something like that. It, it just, well, yeah, it, it, was just a, yeah, it was like, a, I think it was a COVID protocol or something. And, yeah, and, yeah, like he wasn't wearing a mask or something. Like it just it feels like you never get the total story from Kyrie Irving, and then when he claims he he's given you the full story, then he you know goes back and forth on it afterwards. I think he's kind of lost a little bit of the benefit of the doubt aspect from a lot of people because it just feels like there's always something East right now. And I also want to hear what your power ratings say. So let's start with the odds to win the East. Brooklyn, the key favorite here, minus 115. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is the number two pick, three to one. Philadelphia, five and a half to one. Now, what sense does that make? I can't explain it. Because if anything, I would make the following case. Philadelphia has played the mo- Well, I can't make that case. The case I was going to make is Philadelphia has played the most games with their suboptimal lineup in. But obviously, the Nets, in theory, have this three superstar lineup that we just have only seen the seven games. Exactly. So, but I would make the case the Sixers have had a above average amount of missed key games, as in Embiid's games being massively sure. important. And they overperformed, I thought, drastically and in a very impressive way with Embiid's absence. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. So it's going to be interesting to see as the reporting clarifies how much is guaranteed, what kind of bonuses are we talking about. Obviously, it's in the agent's best interest to push that big number initially. And my understanding is the guys that will report that big number without a lot of details are the guys that get these stories first. And then within you know six hours, we usually have the full story. If this is almost all pretty much guaranteed, and we just see Forbes is reporting, eight million of it is guaranteed. This doesn't feel like a great deal for the Browns. My thought was Clowney, who had a horrifically disappointing season for Tennessee last year, Maybe he was going to be, you know, not the, the veteran minimum, but not that far from it. Eight million guaranteed is a kind of a big number. Listen, if he plays as well as he has at various points of his career, it's a nice signing. If he plays like last year, it's a huge problem. 
but even if he plays one or two levels up from last year, it's still seemingly they're overpaying at eight million. What do you think? Yeah, what's most troubling is if you look how he troubling. Graded, I hate the Browns. It's not troubling. Look, what's 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 happiest about all this is that Clowney last year he only played eight games. Well, you think well if he only played eight games, he probably should have been pretty good in those eight. Like you said, just an average starter he graded out in why, terms of his why performance. Why do you think he'd be good in the eight? Because he was resting the other games. Well, you He's, when you're injured, it, it doesn't help you the next. Fair game. enough. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. We got the odds. Ravens are still favored to win the division. Remember, right here in FSR on the herd, Colin said he's picking the Browns to win the division. Ravens are favored plus 130. 100 wins you 130. Browns plus 180. So 50 cents more payoff on the Browns. 100 wins you 180. Steelers plus 350. Three and a half to one. Jonas, any you can talk about Clowney. You can talk about the division. Dealer's choice. Just the Clowney. Clowney feels a lot like Josh Gordon to where the what we think of him in our mind far exceeds what the actual production is. Josh Gordon had one year in which he was amazing in that one year, but that one year was like 2013, and we still, for so many years afterwards, just expected that to happen. And Clowney, we focus on the big hit he had in the bowl game against Michigan. He's never been a big sack guy in the NFL. Uh, definitely not up to the potential that he, that he was drafted at being number one overall. And I just feel like he continues to get these contracts and these no, yeah. uh, there's there's a reason he's available multiple off seasons in a row and he's a former number one pick that should very happen. well very well said and I think Jonas's point about that one hit being such a moment it, it still is echoing through his bank account yeah. all right we're calling an impromptu pick here Fez it, we're gonna call this you got to be evil to kind of make this pick or you got to be square. And it's so square, I don't think I'm even going to let him make it officially. But make your case, you got a minute. I am on the Dodgers, plus 350. Yes, the Dodgers, the ultra public Plus team. 350 to win what? The World Series. Oh my gosh, I, I square. Go ahead. All right. Here's, quickly, quickly. Here's the math behind. The Dodgers are light years in front of every other team. Expected wins this year, 103 and a half. So this is, you could have said this before the season. Yes, and now they're nine and two, so they're exceeding expectations so far. They're already. Boy, this sounds like the guy at the bar. Continue. They're already a monster favorite to win the division. Minus 500, you have to lay. I went. And what did you have to lay before the season? Minus 300. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So I went back last year to the Dodgers' last three series. And as it turns out, the Dodgers had a 30% chance to win all three of those series. So if they play the same teams. This year, it'd be the same. Huh. But that's not guaranteed, is it? It's not guaranteed, but they had to play tough teams. San Diego, Atlanta, San, Tampa Bay. Did you really say San Diego and tough in the playoffs in the same sentence? <laughs> Fair enough. Go ahead. All right. So, the bottom line, I only have to be right 22% of the time to break even here. And I think the Dodgers have a significantly better than 22% chance, plus 350, to win the World Series. The wickedest man in the world. I mean, it, <laughs> the wickedest man in the world. It's evil to like put that out there as a bet. I mean, this is what I'll say. I won't even say I disagree with it. I'm going to say, if you listen to this pick. He's a janitor at a high school. Has to take the bus to work every day. I mean, that's going to be the result. I mean, Jonas, you understand the, the resident square, how square. Take the best team entering the year, and if they start hot, bet them to win the World Series, which means you get paid in six months, maybe. 
it's only 11 games into the season. Well, like, we got a lot more to go. I, it just feels a little early to start jumping at uh, at World Series picks. Can you hum Huey Lewis, Hip to Be Square? Are, are you familiar with this song? <laughs> yeah, I could try. I mean, listen, I know that this isn't the draft, and I know that you love the idea of a- <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, that's awesome. This this is like you having 17 picks in the draft. Anything, anything not to get a straight job. We are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, on the iHeartRadio app. 